Okay, everyone, we're on 8.2 of our confession study. Again, the chapter is on Christ, our mediator, and 8.1, of course, we looked into the prophet, priest, king, right? The three offices of Christ, and we talked about that and discussed that last week. And uh, today we're on 8.2. Again, these paragraphs in this chapter are a little bit longer than maybe perhaps the previous ones, but... Uh, we should be able to get through this chapter relatively quickly. So let's look at 8.2 today. Can I get a volunteer? Um, perhaps someone who's never read for us to read 8.2 for us today. Anyone at all? And we'll get started. It's just reading. Can't, this is the one part you can't get, get it wrong. Sasha. Sasha wants to, okay. Please read it for us. Okay. Uh, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is truly eternal God of the substance and equal with the Father. In the fullness of time, he took on himself the nature of man, with all the essential qualities and ordinary qualities of man, except that he was sinless. Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary out of her substance. These two complete, perfect, and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person of Jesus without being altered, disunited, or jumbled. The person Jesus is truly God and truly man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between the Father and man. Yes, thank you. Uh, a lot of the language here could sound a little complex, but nothing I think here should be too uh, perplexing once you understand what the terms mean. Um, but again, this is really important to grasp Especially this last part, um, where it says, The person is truly God and truly man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. Uh, and we'll discuss, I'm sure it will come up, the hypostatic union. Um, Richard has preached to us before on this very topic, right? Um, the two natures of Christ. Um, and so we'll discuss this a little bit deeper today. Some of the texts that are uh, at the bottom will really help you and guide you in understanding... Um, where these statements come from. So, with that said, I think today should be a pretty fun and intuitive conversation. So let's take some time to now discuss in our groups after I open us in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for Christ, our mediator, the Son of God, the second person Trinity, who came and he died for us. We ask that at this time as we discuss and uh, inquire, these natures of Christ, two whole natures, um, perfect and distinct, the human and the divine, inseparable and joined together in the person of Jesus. We ask that we would uh, be able to comprehend the mystery of this and uh, begin to understand it, uh, for he is truly uh, our mediator, and we thank you so much for him. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so I'll give you a bit of time to discuss in your groups, and then uh, we'll reconvene and inquire together. Okay, everybody. Shadow worms. Okay. Hopefully everyone had a good conversation in your groups. We're going to reconvene together and discuss some of our findings, our inquiries, and uh, hopefully get to the bottom of this. But uh, 8.2 hopefully has been helpful for you in understanding what we call this aesthetic union, uh, the person of Christ. So, who 
Any volunteers to start us off? Any table that would like to begin, or if not, I can just pick on a table too. That works as well. Table is really confident. Um, I'll ask a question. Okay. So let's begin with a question up here. Uh, we noted that it's very important that it says that the two natures of Christ are inseparably joined. Yes. But uh, right afterwards it says, um, without conversion, composition, or confusion. So those three words, um, yeah, our question is, like, what, what do those three words mean exactly? Okay, so for the table in the back, I don't know if you heard the question. Um, so the question is the end of the paragraph, right, or near the end of the paragraph. Uh, it says, um, so the two whole perfectistic natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person. And then they asked, um, what does this mean? Without conversion, composition, or confusion? Any, anyone have like, a, like a, an answer or a guess to this? Not named Richard. What does this mean? Conversion, composition, or confusion? It says without these things. So they're joined inseparably together, right? Uh, the Godhead and the manhood. We're talking about in the person of Christ, right? The divine and the human are joined inseparably, but it's without, in this one person, conversion, composition, or confusion. It's all good. <laughs> um, any thoughts? You could try understanding one of them or all three of them. Yes, Jesse? Yes, yeah. So conversion speaks of, um, it's not that uh, the second person of the Trinity converted into this new thing, right? Um, that all of a sudden there was like this. Like, that that is that is suggests that the second person of Trinity was mutable then, right? That there was a, a conversion in his nature. And that's not the case. Uh, what about composition? Mixture. Sorry. Like a mixture. Like a mixture. Like and what 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 does that mean? Yeah, I mean, it's like a recipe, right? We didn't take, like, here's a little divine, here's a little human, put them in a blender, and we get Jesus, right? Like, uh, it's not that the two natures were mixed and then created a new composition, right? But that the one person inseparably um, had both the human and the divine. Yes, that's So why is it important to point out that this mixture is not to be that's a good question. We can so build why, on this. Why is yeah. it wrong to say that you know God plus human makes Jesus? Like, why is that wrong? Right. It's a great question. Um, thoughts. Question. Okay, Richard is eager to share. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's a, <laughs> I think first um, the composition and confusion are a little bit different. Composition is um two things coming together to create a third thing. Right? Yeah. Confusion is Latin like fusion just means pour. So they're not pouring into each other to create mm -hmm. some like weird mixture. And then in terms of Asley's question, if uh, if they mix, if the divine mixes with the human, it's no longer divine anymore, it's no longer human. It's like this weird semi-divine thing yeah. that is no longer God or human, which is problematic. 
I think um, some helpful commentators note for us that composition would be incorrect to say like what you suggest because it would be a relinquishing of one aspects of each nature right so there is no um, loss in his divinity and there's no loss in the humanity that, that it's perfectly whole perf in both cases there's a whole humanity and a whole divine uh, nature in the person of Christ right and that is unique to him of course none of us have that we're just all really human <laughs> we're all truly human um, and so it's hard to think beyond that which we understand right um, much like the Trinity right the Trinity is something that is a reality that is uh, there's no comparable to it and so it's hard for us to find um, a definition or precision in our understanding of the Trinity for example, right? um, and Richard touched on the confusion part right that it's not that there is you know that this this inseparable joining of these two uh, natures is confusing it is whole it is whole human whole God right and we are not to make our language we, we don't need to um, try to make sense of the hypostatic union with like by uh, by changing or altering or adding to our language or the language of it that scripture already gives to us um, just to make sense of it for ourselves right uh, we don't need to come up with new terminology to make sense of it it's the Bible is very clear right that he's truly God truly man and there's no loss in either nature Very good question. Very great follow-up question. Anything else from this first table? Like, is discuss anything of interest that might be important for us to touch on before we move on to the next table? Yes, Victoria. So, before Jesus took on the flesh, would you like before that? Did he still have human characteristics? Oh, very good question. Any thoughts? Wow, that is a very good question. That's a good question. <laughs> so Victoria's You're question was so before, smart. because she studied math. Yeah, she's, uh, she's studied math. Before <laughs> Jesus, the Jesus took on flesh, right, and incarnated, right? Um, did he have human, like a, hum, a human nature to him? It's a very good question. Thoughts? I'd like to leave it kind of open to. You gotta shine. You gotta shine, man. This is where you can be kind of. This is where you can be. She has an answer. This is where you can be borderline. <laughs> we can work in repairing that. Yeah. Ashley. Sorry, Ashley. Ashley. Yes. I just said no. Nice. <laughs> Ashley says no. Wow. Very good. Right, should we do a survey? No's hands up. No, he, he did not have a human nature prior to incarnation. True. Okay. No. Uh, tell us why. Go, Ashley. Really, no, but like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a 50-50, it's the safer guess, yeah. Before Jesus took on his human nature, he was kind of just like this invisible, like divine being. Yes. And so I'm assuming that as, an, as a divine being, like he wouldn't have human characteristics until he takes on. Yeah. So yeah. good, Ashley. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the interesting thing is uh, the very beginning, or the first half of this paragraph speaks on that, right? Uh, a lot of our creeds and confessions in the, in, historically in the Christian faith talk about the substance of, uh, of the Godhead, like all the three persons of the Trinity, right? 
and that they are of one essence or one substance, right? That's sort of the language that it speaks, that uh, Confessions and other creeds speak of. Here, interestingly enough, what do we find in the Confession of Faith? But uh, Christ, the second person, taking on the substance of man, right? Through his being, like his, him being birthed through Mary, the Virgin Mary, right? So we see a substance being taken on, right? So I think what it's indicating to us and implying very clearly is that prior to this, he did not take on flesh, that there was no flesh taken by him, right? That the human nature was not part of this conversion so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So what about now when he's, when he's ascended into heaven? Ooh, these questions are getting great. <laughs> yes. So Christ, who resurrected into, into glory, right? Um, ascended into heaven. What about now? Second person Trinity. Well, he has to come back, right? Yes or no? Oh. Well, yeah, most definitely, or else we're like, yeah. <laughs> Big trouble. Yeah, first Thessalonians can be thrown Second out the window. Second coming is also part of what Jesus is. Yes, mm. yes, Man, of course. Wow. But um, in heaven, right, as Christ is at the right hand of God and interceding on our behalf, does the second person of Trinity have still now the two natures of man and divine, like God? Any thoughts? So Kayla. This is a UFO. So Kayla says it's necessary that he would. Right? So why? Very good point. Kayla says he must have, at this point, uh, both natures in order to be the mediator. Wow. That is incredible. Why do you say that? Amazing, Kayla. Yo, we're getting better at this. You're so smart, This is, this is really good. This is really good. Yeah. That was Jet's answer, right? That was. Yeah. He was just about to say that. So, Kayla, why do you say that? Before we get to this. Can you repeat that? Okay, so Kayla said, so to the question of does he, at this point, in this moment, have... Uh, the, like the second, like the nature that he took on flesh, right, as human, does that truly man nature still exist? And Kayla said, absolutely, it's necessary because uh, that is a necessary component of him being our mediator. Correct? Yes. In order to be our mediator, he must be truly God, truly man. He cannot just be truly God and be our mediator, I think is what you're saying. Which, you know, could sound a little bit dangerous, if, depending on how you word this, but I think you're, you're, you're speaking on the, right, on the right terms here. Any thoughts on this? Well, like, why, though? Why does he have to be truly God, truly man, in order to be our mediator? Christ, our mediator. I don't think if, it was, if he was just truly God, yep. then it'd be reverting back to before incarnation, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd be like... It's like he lived the example, but then if you like take that chunk out, yeah. it's just like, now we're just going to die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of implications to um, Christ not... representation. Right, and Christ resurrected in bodily form, like Thomas demanded to see, you know, the holes in his hands, right? The scars in his hands. So if that was not the case, right, um, it would be very problematic for us on many fronts, right? Um, there's a lot of implications to that if that was not the case that we need to seriously ponder uh, but we need to comprehend now so I think there's, an, there's a question inserted in all of these questions that we need to ask because I 
I previously said this, that the second person of the Trinity, um, in, in, in his incarnation, like Jesus being incarnated and taking on flesh, how does that, how is that not a mutable aspect of Christ? How is that that he did not change, right? So I've read some books on this, and you might know some theologians who I, I believe are, are genuinely Christian and are of the faith and, and brothers of the faith, but have indicated that when Christ was incarnated, that he changed, right? So some people might say that. Of course, the language is dangerous there because it's, we argue that Christ, that God, right, is immutable. So how is it that he can incarnate, take on flesh, but we can maintain the argument that God does not change? Does that make sense to you? Because in human logic, right, before the incarnation, the second person of the Trinity was, as Ashley said, an invisible spirit, it became the visible, right, the God, God who is now visible to us, and ascended into heaven. He is, we are arguing, still in that form, the human form, the glorified form, so he's truly man, truly God now, truly glorified. How is it then that the Trinity and the second person of Trinity, second person of the Trinity, in specific, has not changed? How how do we maintain that argument? Are you guys following? I know it's a long-winded uh, question. Yes. Could be wrong. Um, it's okay. It could be a cop-out answer. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Uh, what what if it was the plan all along? That's a cop-out answer. That is, <laughs> that is correct, though, right? But it is, a, it is not maybe getting at the essence of the question enough. Enough. But correct, right? It is right definitely... Track. I mean, definitely it was the will of God. Different track. Right, right so like we, we talked about before how in the Old Testament they were saved through the covenant of grace through the, the faith and the prophecy of the Jesus to come. Yes. So along the same vein, yes. if Jesus is to come... Yeah. So that sort of reconciles the immutability part, does it not? Because the <laughs> assumption is that He's gonna come. that they that it's a savior would come and yeah. there would Do be an the incarnation uh, involved in that. Okay, okay. What, what was the question again? <laughs> yeah, it's a long-winded <laughs> question. Did, 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 did God change? Basically, did God did change, change in becoming man? Did God change? Yeah. I don't want to say become, like taking on, taking <laughs> no, on. But like, understand. Changing what? Like, so when the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, right? As we call him Jesus, right? Second person of the Trinity, before the virgin birth, right? Was just spirit. Incarnation happens. He takes on flesh, right? And then he dies. He resurrects in human bodily form, like glorified. He ascends into heaven. And he's, we're going to argue, permanently like that from now on. So from the human perspective, change has occurred. Once the Trinity was only spirit, and now the Trinity and aspect, like one person, one third, if you will. I don't want to say one third, but anyways, the person of the Trinity um, is human. Like there's a truly human aspect to the second person of the Trinity now, right? So has God changed? No. So how do we maintain that argument, though? Because by logic, it follows that something has changed. So, Esli and then Richard. So, cop out part two. Cop out part two, okay. So this is a. Not, uh, not cool. Like us humans, yeah, us humans right like now. you and me, before we were born, we would have had to be in a certain state, right? Mm hmm. We would have had been, had been in a certain state? Question. So Question? Like, before we were born, what was our essence? 
like you and, and I. It, yeah, were we just Ooh. absolutely nothing? Or now we're really getting deep. Okay. <laughs> so okay, so we're in the mind of God. Too many cop-outs, bro. Okay, it's getting out of hand. But but Next. we can't use that because we are mutable. Okay, yeah, gotcha. because yeah. we are not God, right? So we can't use that even if even if we were spirit prior to our birth. We are not God and we're not immutable, so so we can't we can't use them as comparables, right? Because we're arguing that God does not change, but we can we know for sure we change. Yeah, we're arguing that God has not changed and that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yet. In our minds, at least, uh, okay, maybe in your minds it doesn't like process, but for me, I really struggled with this. Did the second person of Trinity change? Like, did God's nature change? Um, right? Yeah. It's because he has two natures, right? He's divine and then there's the, the, and the, and the, the man, and the right? Man. But the truly man was not uh, part of the second person of Trinity until incarnation. So, just like a di- so did a change occur post incarnation? Richard? Um, I think. The first assumption is that the the Logos, the second person, was already perfect and complete before he became a human. So he didn't need to become a human to become complete. He was mm-hmm. already complete. Mm-hmm. So because he was already perfect in itself, the human nature, he pretty much just takes, joins himself to a human nature without any of that human nature, um, some of the properties flowing into the divine. So there is that kind of strict distinction, even though it's inseparable, they're still distinct, right? So, and that, that human person, because it's not two persons, right? Yeah. It's one person. It's one person. So that human person didn't, in a sense, didn't have complete perfection. Cause that, that nature wasn't a completely perfect nature in the sense that it's another person. Otherwise, Jesus becomes two persons. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yes. So it, it can't be a complete, 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 like perfect nature otherwise it would be two persons right so right. it doesn't have personality in the older reform language sure like sure so for that reason the the divine nature because it remains distinct um wouldn't change at all right because it's already perfect complete and it didn't like unless if, if humans didn't sin jesus didn't even have to become human right? he could have remained a, a perfectly spiritual being right right yeah cindy okay <laughs> I don't know if it's kind of dumb, but... Um, it's all good. I have a thought. Maybe, sure. so God didn't change, but maybe our perception and our understanding of God changes because um, as humans, our um, capacity to understand is so limited. So just imagine an ant walking on the ground and there's two cubes. And if one of the cubes gets stacked on top of another cube, we as the ant would think, oh no, one cube disappeared. But to a much bigger being, they'll be able to see that there are still two cubes. It's just in a different form. One is stacked on top of the other. So God is so much greater than us. So perhaps he is just him all along. But the way we perceive him, because we can perceive him the way he actually is, so then um, we perceive him the way that the only way that we can understand him, which changes. Okay. Like our understanding changes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think you're touching on something important, which is that the issue is our perspective. The issue is that we are perceiving this as change, and if we're arguing that it does not change, like God does not change, and we're we're not. I don't think we're on a different page here. We're saying. Okay, we have to maintain the immutability, the doctrine of immutability. Like, God does not change, right? Mm-hmm. How do we maintain this doctrine 
uh, when a person who maybe poses the question of, well, it seems like your God does change, for he came, he incarnated, and then he ascended into heaven, now he's fully, like, he's truly man for the rest of eternity. So there was a point in history where he was not, and now there, now he is. So that's called change. How do you fight that argument? Right? How do you fight that argument? Because it, we can't just say, we can't just say that it's a perspective issue. Like, if that is our perspective, then we have to argue um, the reality, like the, what's actually happening. We have to give some kind of argumentation for it. Right? Yes. Enjoy. Are we done with that? No, no. No, no. Fine. Continue, Can please. we find the evidence of that? Or, um, evidence of that in the work that he accomplished. How so? so? The atonement um, requires that he is both God and man. Mm -hmm. I think that's an aspect of it, but uh, what we're really getting at is if there was a person, we're creating a hypothetical person, at one point that person was me, who said the second person of Trinity at one point was just spirit, now is truly man, truly God, man and God, right? Like, so then how, isn't that a change? Hasn't God, hasn't the second person of Trinity changed thus? Right? <laughs> this is a very important thing to think about, yes. Yes, Sasha. Thought. Is it because his divine essence never changed? Absolutely. Because in the beginning was the word and throughout everything, even throughout his yeah, human experience, he, he was still always he essentially word of God and inseparable from God. And he is too. Yes, you're getting I think you're like right there. Jesse. I don't know. You don't know. Why <laughs> 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 you raise your hand then? I don't if you don't know, you should raise your hand. <laughs> Yes. But, um, isn't his death on the cross um, the proof that he didn't change? Oh. He's not okay. fully man. Because if prefer saying that he's changed. Okay. Because someone that is fully man. Yes. Is not righteous. And, um, like only man. Only man. Only truly man would not be uh, without the divine nature. Oh would commit sin, oh. right? So... But because he was, yeah. he was able to accomplish redemption for us. Yes. So doesn't that mean that he's still God? Yeah, and no one's arguing that he is God post-incarnation, right? So what I'm saying is, like, at one point, right? Yeah. Like, did adding that nature from, a, from, that, from the skeptic's perspective, Adding the human nature to God, doesn't that mean that God is mutable, that God changes? I think you can only say yes if you assume that the human nature, the properties of the human nature were infused into the divine. Right. Because if you maintain that they remain distinct, mm -hmm. yes, the person of Christ did undergo some change, namely the assumption of the human nature. Right. But with respect to his divine nature, which remains distinct, there's no change in that, right? So I think the question itself needs to be, the skeptic who asks it, you need to kind of like um, further clarify like, what, are you talking about the nature? Is the nature changing? No. Is the person changing? Yeah, it, it undergoes a change, but the nature itself doesn't, right? Yeah, I mean, this is why the language is very important, right? 
Um, I know some of the language we use, at times, at times it could feel very much like semantics or like we're just playing around with words a lot. And like, it's not like, some people just want everything to be really simple, right? But this is why at church, I try to be as cautious with the terminology we use because our terminology uh, expresses at times false beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. So we use language, um, when we talk about the second person of the Trinity, um, in a sense, like at one point being spirit and then becoming truly man, truly God, we have to use the language that the Bible uses, which is he took on flesh. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Yes. In other words, that there is no deprivation or a change or shift in the divine nature of the second person of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. What is occurring here is very much like theophany, for example. Um, when we see in the Old Testament, right, God. Um, for example, like theophany is like the phenomena of God in a different form, like being realized in reality, right? Mm -hmm. So we see, for example, like the burning bush is typically like the example that people use. Is God truly bush and truly God at that time? <laughs> well, it sounds really funny, but we're being like, it's, like we're, we have to be, what do, what do we say? Do we say, oh, God is mutable because he became a burning bush. No, it's an expression, like it's, it's the physical expression, right, of, and the means by which God appears before Moses to speak to him, right? Um, now, there's a uniqueness to the hypostatic union that it becomes eternal, right? Um, it's not just a temporary, momentary thing, right? But we have to use the language of God taking on flesh, mm -hmm. right? Like, God chose to do this. Like, it is part of his will. Like, everyone touched on, per like, really important aspects of the argument. But what we're arguing here is that the immutability of God is unique to the divine nature of God and the three persons of the Trinity. So when Christ, the second person of the Trinity, right, takes on flesh, we need to be cautious. We have to say nothing in regards to the divine nature of Christ has changed. Mm-hmm. But is there a shift or change, if you will, in terms of our now understanding and expression and physical representation of that man-God? Yes. Mm -hmm. Of the second person of the Trinity? Because prior to that incarnation, man-God is not language that we see. Right? We don't see the language of... Like, we don't have that understanding in the Old Testament of the second person being... Uh, truly man but in the new testament we do so there's a shift in that and there's change in that but that has everything to do with the truly man component right the the true the man the hu human nature of christ has nothing to do with the divine nature again this could seem like why are we getting so technical with the mechanics of this it's really important that you be able to express these things because when we don't know how to comprehend this, it causes unnecessary confusion in our minds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to work on, on these fronts. Yeah, Teresa? Is it right to say that Jesus' human nature was mutable? Ooh. <laughs> We're getting really... <laughs> <laughs> We're getting... 
Mutable in the sense, I mean, like, yeah, he was an infant, he grew, there was growth change, maturity. He died, right? Yeah. That's definitely a change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was hungry. Yeah. He was hungry. Are you hungry? Oh, are you hungry? God literally said Jesus Oh, I thought you... I thought you were just declaring you're hungry. <laughs> I said like Jesus is hungry. Like oh, 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 oh. No, I think he said I am hungry. Yeah, right. Sorry, sorry. Implicitly telling us to My bad, my bad. Um, but yes, Jesus hungered, Jesus thirsted, he had weariness, he grew older, he aged, right? So definitely I think Teresa would be on the like on the right track there that we could say that the uh, the the human nature of Christ certainly was mutable in that sense uh but there's this incredible there's this like what richard talked about a very distinct yet joint togetherness of these two divine of, of the two natures of christ and they're extremely um it's very complex like it's in fact i mean i'm sure richard's read, read a lot about this but when you read on the hypostatic union there's so much thought on this the hypostatic union it's just on like we just like, there's so much to ponder about how everything in that works. Like, when he was an infant, could he mm -hmm. sin? Like, you know, like, there's all these things, right? Um, there's conversation about could he sin, right? Yeah. And so, you know, hypostatic just means person. So when we yeah. say hy hypostatic union, we mean unity of the person. Yeah. So two natures joined together into the unity of a person. So one person, yeah, that's, that's all. Yeah. But it sounds cooler to say hypostatic union. Why can't they just say person? Bro, why, why, can't, why can't they use nice language, bro? <laughs> it's, it's a free country, right? Uh, I mean, I think it's the You're language. Right. <laughs> I think it's the. I think it's the beautiful language that our like the previous generations of our faith yeah. used to express truths of our faith and i think there's there i think there's wealth in preserving that so people used to talk like that oh <laughs> yes 100 percent. hypostasis not like that but yes they did they just use the terminology yes. in greek because it's a greek word so we're, <laughs> you're gonna keep that greek word all right bro <laughs> uh, okay i mean fantastic questions let's move on uh last table oh, that, was, that was one group yeah, that was an incredible series of questions. That was fantastic. Uh, anything you guys wanted to maybe contribute or think about or ponder? Or anything interesting that came up at your table? Our, our discussion was predominantly about like what was Jesus before the incarnation. Yeah. So a lot of the discussion revolved around that. So I think we covered a lot of it already. So Actually, yeah, she gave the answer. But um I think the hardest part was the understanding of you know the nature of Jesus before incarnation, but because after incarnation and what he has done in the gospel, like that's relatively straightforward, I think, within our forum. Mm -hmm. But uh, before that was like, okay, how do we like yeah. About Jesus as the second person in the Trinity when he's just spirit, but like we talk about him you know, yeah. being you know, fully man, fully God. So. Right. Teresa, anything you want to share? <laughs> Even though Jesus you know, wasn't in bodily form before, he was still eternally the Son of God. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you still yes. see that same relationship, same role like yeah. of him being of God mm -hmm. and still like being obedient to the Father mm -hmm. eternally and not just like from 
Mm. Amazing. That was very good. Thank you. Um, middle table. What were some thoughts or inquiries that or interesting points that came up there? Covered everything? I think we were pretty good. Yeah, we covered everything. Nice. One thing that really startled me in reading this for the first time was in the womb of the Virgin Mary of her substance. That was very startling to anyone else, like maybe that, that kind of stood out to you. Mm. Like why was perhaps, like why did that stand out to you? Or why did that perhaps startle you? Is it not the flesh part? Yeah. Yes, you yes. You needed a human host to make it human. Yeah, mm. yeah. Why, why is that though? Why, like there was a part of, like, before I got into Reformed theology, before I got to theology I should say, um, being just, you know, the average church-going Christian, I always pondered, like, really? Is that, like, is that the only way he could have done it? Like, couldn't he have, like, done it, like, another way? Like, he's God. Like, isn't there, like, an infinite ways that he could save us, right? No, because uh, Adam and Eve, when God talks about, uh, I forget the actual verse, forgive me, but it was along the lines of your descendant will crush the serpent's head. Right, the offspring? Yeah, your offspring. So it had to have been a descendant like, from a human. Mm, mm. Yeah, so there is definitely, like, in Genesis 3, in reference to the curse given to the woman, there's a promise of this, right? And it's in reference to uh, a physical death, absolutely. Anyone else? Like, what? Yep, two hands here, so you guys can... Ashley first. Ashley, Ashley first, okay. Um, well, we were talking about it in our table, because the question got brought up, like, could... Did, did Jesus like have to live like an infant life and all of that? Like, did he have to be born of a womb and stuff like that, or could he have just been like placed in like whatever middle age form? Yeah. Kind of thing. But then we were talking about like he, in order to like take on fully human form, he had to be born the way that all humans were born. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why is that? <laughs> to be a human. <laughs> because well, Richard said something about that. He'd kind of still be have this. His, even his human form would have this like divine essence because he wasn't born the same way that the rest of us were. Yeah, it would be uh, what we when we say like truly man, we wouldn't be able to say truly anymore. Mm -hmm. we would, yeah, we would say like God <laughs> appeared as a man, shiny man, right? Uh, Jesse, or actually Sasha, you want to go first? Oh, I just say like at the retreat, uh, Juhan and I were talking about it. Yep. And. We're kind of thinking of like a comparison where in breeding, let's say if the whole bloodline is diseased, you kind of do need this one pure blood to kind of mix and then to give something that's not contaminated. Right. Yeah, even though as we discussed today, it's still two separate features, but it's kind of like makes sense why it would be coming from human. Right. Like it can't, the, the solution to what is essentially is infecting the line cannot solely come from an alien source, right? In a way, it has to come from within. Uh, Jesse, you had a thought. <laughs> Sorry, I saw a hand. I don't know, maybe I was wrong. Was that June? Or Jesse first and then June. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Sort of the attitude that we're in, mm -hmm. a form of humility, coming 
the born love, the kind, the way that he was born, he experiences that. Mm-hmm. Very, that, that's very yeah. Humiliation. Very nice. Yeah. Like, like we talked about, like the. We talked about like the condescension of, of God too, right? Prior in prior language in the covenant language. Yeah, absolutely. Very good, yeah. June. Um, I think it's related to like the previous chapter that we read on covenants. Yep. Um, Ooh, thank you. I was yeah. hoping someone would get there. <laughs> so June is referencing chapter seven, which you all should not have forgotten. Covenants wow. language. Okay, June. <laughs> Wait, he hasn't finished his thought. He just mentioned covenant, sorry, and sorry, I sorry. overreacted. Go ahead. Um, it's important that Christ comes from. It's similar to what Esther was saying. Yeah. Um, it's important that Christ comes in the uh, in the Mary's substance because he has. It's a promise covenant that God made with uh, Adam and then with David, and then and it's, it's highlighted in two gospels, Gospel of Luke and Gospel of Matthew, that. Um, that Christ indeed came from the line of David specifically, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. both from Mary and both from Joseph. They're both from the line of David. Yep. Mm. Um, so um, it's important that he, uh, Christ comes in the substance of Mary to fulfill all the covenants that God has made with man from Adam all the way to his, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we just got off an entire chapter talking about like covenantal language and we talk we've already discussed right sin you know what sin is deserving of we talked about you know last week how he's the prophet priest and king and he has to he is the fulfillment of all of these things like the prophet and the law and we can't ignore that right so when we say when we when we ask the question of well couldn't he have done it any other way here's the answer no Right? The answer is no. Right. Um, Esli, is that a hand no. or no? Uh, Richard, you had a thought? Or? Yeah, so um, just one sentence. Like, older language was sin had to be punished in the same nature in which it was committed. Yes. Right? So it was committed in human nature, Adam and Eve. It had to be punished in that exact same nature. Yeah. Yeah. And that's along the, that is, of course, along the lines of the covenantal language we were just talking about, that God made a covenant, and He fulfills that covenant one way, one singular way, and that is through the mediator Christ. And there's no other way that that, that covenant could be fulfilled or or like realized, right? And so we must we must understand this to be this way, right? Because otherwise, Christ cannot say, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." No one comes to the Father but through me, right? That language is it's like it's exclusive; it's singular to Him that He is the way, and the truth, and the life, right? Um, and so this was the only way that this could, could have happened. This is the only way it could occur. This was the plan that God had had. When we go back all the way, right, earlier chapters, we talk about God's eternal decrees and His providence, that He had a will and a way to do all things one way, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that, of course, we see in Mediator Christ. I hope that's beautiful to you. It is. And I hope it's assurance to you. I'm being serious. Oh, yeah, no, like, seriously, it's... It, it really is um, comforting to know this if you are one who believes in Christ, right? As your Savior, as your Lord. That is, like, incredible comfort in knowing that. Um, and I hope, I hope it has been good news to you this, uh, this evening. Um, any other further questions or thoughts or inquiries on anything we've discussed? 
Wow, our questions are getting really good. <laughs> like, I'm really glad um, we're starting to grasp some of this uh, a lot of it, maybe perhaps better. Um, and the answers are getting fantastic. You guys are starting to build your arguments based on uh, previous chapters, which is fantastic. Uh, as we move forward, uh, I hope uh, we will continue to be able to grow our knowledge and understanding of these things. Uh, allow me to pray as we conclude. Gracious God, we thank you for your Son, our Mediator. Christ who came, second person of Trinity. We thank you for um, his sacrifice on our behalf to take on death and die a death that he does not deserve. We thank you um, that we're able to understand him as um, this, this man-God, so to speak, was truly God, truly man, uh, that this person uh, is has these two natures of divine and human inseparably joined together without conversion, composition, or confusion. We thank you for our discussion today. I hope that it has been helpful and fruitful, and uh, I hope that we will only continue to mature our minds in this. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Max. Thank you. Thank you.